Great to have you here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you with your empowerment, with knowledge, so you can save more and spend less and don't let anyone ever rip you off. When you have a question for me, go to clark.com slash ask. Coming up later in today's Clark Rageous Moment, junk phone calls, junk texts all day long. What can you do about them? And coming up later, what happens with information about your medical history, your medical record? Where's it go? Who sees it? How's it handled? What rights do you have? I'll fill you in. I want to talk right now about something that runs counter to what so many people have been told their whole lives. And that is, you want to stretch as far as you can to buy a home even to the point where you're wheezing to afford the cost of that home. Now, there are people who don't feel as strongly that way after the banking scandals of last decade that led to the housing bust in much of the country, but it's still something that people have been told has been passed down to them, and people will scrimp and save for the down payment to buy an expensive home or a home that's expensive for them and it just leaves no give in their budget. So the question is, is that a ticket to long-term financial security as we've always been told? And the answer is no. No, it's not. And the reasons it's not have even increased in recent years. Because now with a much higher standard deduction, overwhelmingly you're not going to be in a position to have any tax benefit from the interest you're paying on your mortgage loan. Or if you do outrun the standard deduction, it means you got a giant house payment. And even then, the benefit is way oversold to the mortgage interest deduction. And now... In places in the country where housing costs are really high and you have a lot of property tax, because the uh, new tax law, that property tax is generally not deductible anymore because of the restrictions on SALT, state and local tax deduction. So you don't buy a house at all because of tax reasons. And the reality is that every dollar that you spend on housing squeezes out a dollar that could be saved for other purposes, invested in a 401k, invested in a Roth IRA, um, used as a way to pay for other things in your life. And the funny thing is that I read a story in Market Watch that people who tightly control their housing costs, that that is the, the single biggest factor far and away it's like a horse race where one horse is ahead by 20 lengths that what you spend on your housing that you live in is the key determinant about how much money you can save over time in fact in a study of super savers those are people who save 20 percent or more of their income the number one thing that they do different from everybody else 
is control their housing costs. So it's one thing to buy a house because you love it. It's another to buy it for permanence in your life. It's another to have a place. Uh, a lot of times people's impetus to buy a house is because they've had children. To buy for that reason. It can be just for stability in your life. Because you don't want to be transient and have to move again and again. But don't think of it as a good thing for money. The only time that owning housing is good for money typically is when you're an investor and you own real estate as a landlord. James joins us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, James. Hey, Clark. How you doing? Great, thank you. I always say i got to pay for something with my watch right now. Okay, I've done it. <laughs> hey, uh, first I want to say thank you so much for uh, your service to our country as well as all the advice you give to us. Me and my mom listen to you all the time. Thank you. And it is... It is a little weird to hear your voice at normal speed because usually I listen to it at a, a time and a quarter speed. Yeah, I hear from people that they speed <laughs> me up on podcasts 1.2, 1.3. But, you know, I, uh, I think slowly and I speak slowly so that my brain and my voice can move together. <laughs> so that's why you can listen to me sped up. That's awesome. Well, hey, so... I had a question about um, Apple's new credit card. So I'm 22 years old. I'm just starting to build my credit. So I opened a card with my credit union and then a little later on um, with another credit card company. But I was just wondering, like, what's the big deal about the Apple credit card and why would it be beneficial to somebody? Well, it's really a, a, a customer capture tool for people that are really into apple use an apple phone i was making fun of the watch you know when you first uh, started talking you know paying for things with the watch that keeping you tied into the apple system is really what it's about the card used the right way will earn you typically two percent cash back and by right way i mean the way they want you to use it using methods like Apple Pay, that kind of thing, that you'll get the 2% cash back. It is not a revolutionary offer. And so, so if are you tied heavily into the Apple ecosystem with the phone, the watch, the tablet, you know, the iPad, the MacBook, all that? Well, I do have a MacBook, but most of my family uses iPhones. I'm personally... Um, in the Android family of things with the OnePlus, but... Oh, are you on the OnePlus uh, 6 or 6T, or which one do you have? Yeah, I just got the 6T not too long ago. Is it just the most awesome phone ever? Oh, my goodness. I, I've been converted for life. I can never turn back to another phone. Yeah, except now the OnePlus 7 is rumored to be coming out <laughs> soon, and they're going to tempt you. Yeah. Every year, <laughs> OnePlus will try it. For people who aren't aware... This company does one phone or one plus a uh, slightly modified one each year, and that's all they do. And they price them at 50% of the flagship Samsung or Apple phone. Can I ask you one more question about that credit card? Yeah, well, I haven't, I haven't even said, instead of doing that, what you should do is get the city double cash. The city double cash card? Yeah, because it's just straight 2% cash back. 
And the other choice would be the Fidelity Investments. If you have any accounts with Fidelity Investments, they do 2% cash back. Yeah, I actually did get the Fidelity one because I want to invest that money into hopefully a Roth with them later on. So I'd say you're good. There's, There's no reason to jump into the Apple pool at this point, especially if you're on a OnePlus. It's so tempting, though, the titanium card. It's just so fulfilling. Yeah, but they don't give you the 2% (laughs) on the titanium card. Really? Yeah. You don't get it unless you you use your watch or your phone or whatever and use Apple Pay. Oh, see, now that's the catch that is probably going to get people is you have to use the iPhone in the store or something. Yeah, but 2% is not... And it's not like an outlier. It's not like Apple's doing something nobody's done before. So that's yeah. why I would not jump for joy about it. it. It, again, is really geared towards people who live their world in Apple's walled garden. And then it is a good way for you to generate some cash back. But even then, a lot of people who use Apple products tend to be people who may make higher income or spend money more freely in which case, there are a lot of travel reward cards are probably still a better deal than doing the Apple Pay, the Apple uh, credit card. Nothing wrong with it at all. It's a good product. It's just not out there better than anything else, not at all. Rhonda's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Rhonda. Well, hi, Clark. Hey, bless your heart. Let me hear your voice. <laughs> well, it's great to have you here, Rhonda. Gosh, Clark, I'm calling about USAA. Um, what a great organization. USAA. You're, that is a great organization. So are you former military or current military yourself? My hubby and I are both former military when we were youngins. So uh, we started out uh, with banking, uh, you know, checking and savings. And then my uh, hubby had a, an IRA he needed to roll over. He left one job, and uh, he had this IRA. So and uh, we didn't like the company he was with, so we uh, called uh, USAA and talked to, spoke with one of their advisors, and uh, we chose uh, to roll over with them, even though you never spoke of them, and just for the convenience of it. But we also have accounts with, with other entities as well. And uh, my question was, is that okay to stay with USAA? And also, um, because comparably it to another uh, entity that we have a uh, rollover IRA with, IRA with they're, they're doing about the same, actually. I thought there was a little more growth, but I d- double-checked it last night, and they're about the same. Well, you can't, you can't make a decision wondering. in the short term. But in the long term, okay. what I look at is what kind of expenses are you paying in a fund? Because you, when you're invested, you're really putting money aside typically that you're not going to use for a long, long time, right? Right, and that's why we chose funds that had the same expense ratios as we have comparable to the other entity that we have on that. And what so. kind of expense ratios are you paying with the USAA? Oh. Uh, you know what? I, I when I asked, I don't know off the top of my head. I should have looked that up. But when I asked the uh, the young man that helped us, it was within the uh, the guidelines that you had set forth. Okay, because with USAA, USAA is a great company, 
their investment products are not going to be as cheap as they're going to be with the lower cost offerings with Vanguard, Schwab, and Fidelity. The USAA, because of the fact that we underpay military personnel, the accounts are going to have a lot of very small balances. And so USAA's expenses are usually going to be higher than they're going to be when you think how poorly we pay enlisted personnel in the country. Mm-hmm. So it costs the same amount of money to run an account that is a small account as it does a giant account. So the the fee structure tends to be higher with with USAA than it will be with others, but not outrageous. Well, what again do you recommend for the expense ratios, uh, if you can refresh on that? Yeah, so the the target keeps moving because there's been a, a fee war going on with Schwab, Fidelity, and Vanguard. And mm-hmm. now, if you're going to do index investing, which is where instead of buying a managed fund, you're just buying an index, those are as cheap now, believe it or not, as free from Fidelity. But with uh, Schwab and Vanguard you figure a tenth of a percent or less in, in the expenses. Now, I'm looking at USAA, and you're going to pay uh, maybe 0.18 for one of their index funds, so 0.27, somewhere in there. And so they're higher, but those are tiny fees still. So okay. I'm happy for you to do investing with USAA. They are... A great organization. They are devoted to their membership of military personnel. They are honest as could be and give it time to see if the performance on the funds does outrun the alternative that you're comparing them to. Over time, what you're paying in expenses ultimately is what creates the difference. Today's Courageous Moment is about those spam calls that just keep coming and coming and coming. And you may have heard earlier this month a lot of fuss about how Verizon is now following T-Mobile. And for Verizon Wireless customers, now has the spam blocking technology available to you for free. You should use it. The spam blockers help. They will not prevent the scam calls the spam calls, but it will, gosh, they're both, right? Scam and spam, but it does make a difference. But to give you an idea how difficult it is to run down the spammer scammers, the feds have issued fines of over $200 million in a release under the Freedom of Information Act, but the Wall Street Journal reported that that was not the figure you should be looking at, that the government had issued fines of over $200 million. They have collected a grand total of $6,000 of that over $200 million. <laughs> You have trouble finding a reliable used car at six grand, and that's the total amount the feds have been able to collect. Because here's the problem. The people making the calls now represent half of all phone calls coming to your phones in the United States are coming overwhelmingly from crooks outside the United States, outside the reach of the law in the United States. Now, they may be operating on behalf of crooks in the U.S. 
Uh, in fact, I got a spam call just the other day that was one that so many of us have gotten over and over again, and it was another of those telling me that I should do something about my car warranty, who hasn't gotten that call. I just want you to know my answer to you, especially with now the spoofing going on where the calls are coming from an area code that is the same as your own or near yours, if you don't know the number, do not answer the call. Again, if you don't know the number, don't answer. If it really is somebody you need to talk to, let it go to voicemail. Great to have you here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to keep more of what you make. Our main website, Clark.com, when you're into saving money, looking for those deals, check out ClarkDeals.com. So, got a question for you. Go to a doctor, go to a lab, go to a medical facility, go to a hospital, and there's form after form after form. And every person who comes in to see you, they're recording something in a computer. They're writing down something on a chart. Where's all that go? Who has access to it? That's a good question. Do you know why? Because there aren't rules of the road for medical records in most of the country. And that's because the technology where records are becoming electronic and move across providers, move across the nation. Well, none of those technologies existed at the time that people thought about your medical file, your medical records. In fact, the fact that these files are moving electronically happened for a good reason. Up until very recently, if you went anywhere in medicine... Your records were on paper. They were on a sheet of paper with another sheet behind it, another and another and another, and doctor's offices and medical providers had huge file rooms with file cabinets and individual files, manila folders, for every person in a practice. Loco, right? In 2019, to have that, is crazy. So first, as I recall, the big HMO, Kaiser Permanente, adopted electronic medical records. And then slowly, haphazardly, they're spreading through the medical industry. And now what happens with your records becomes a real issue because what's in those files can be used to your detriment, many different ways, as well as your benefit in an emergency situation. So think about all the people who want access to those records. Various insurance companies, uh, data managers, um, the companies that build dossiers on you, pharmaceutical companies. Everywhere you turn, there are people who hope to monetize your health records. And so the problem is we don't have rules. We have to sign these HIPAA forms everywhere we go, right? And it's supposed to protect our privacy. All it is is a form you fill out 
because then the data about you ends up being spread all over the place. So we have, it's just another of the areas where we don't have the necessary guardrails and rules for privacy in the United States. And so I want to make you paranoid because I want to make you aware because a lot of us might have a medical condition. We don't want to be blasted all over the place, right? Jonathan joins us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Jonathan. Hello. Thanks for taking my call today, Clark. Certainly, Jonathan. What's going on with you? Um, I just wanted to make sure that I'm saving properly for my retirement down the road, and I want to make sure I'm starting you know, at the proper time to have the correct amount of money down the road, so I wanted to get some advice on something. What age would you like to bag work? Uh, hopefully 55. But, I mean, All it might right. Be 50. <laughs> yeah. 55 sounds great. Yep, I don't I don't want to work a day longer than I have to. So I'm planning on hopefully paying my house off before that and just um, going and doing what I want to do after that. Well, that is great. So what kind of things are you doing right now to hit that target of 55? Uh, well, right now, um, I'm fortunate to work for a company that does still offer a pension. So that's great. Um, and then I'm also doing 10% in um, a company 401k. They don't match anything since we have the pension. But uh, I was wondering, I've been hearing you talk a lot about Roth. So if I should redirect some of this money to a Roth instead of putting so much in a 401k, because, you know, I'm not going to have any already taxed money when I retire at this All right. rate. All right. I'm going to flip you out. If you want to retire at age 55, uh-huh. I don't want you to rearrange money from the 401k into a Roth. I want you to, in addition... Yeah. In addition okay. to doing that 10% in the 401k, I want mm-hmm. you to do the Roth because okay. if if your goal is to retire roughly 12 years younger than people are targeted to retire now, mm-hmm. then it means you've got to cover those 12 additional years with funds okay. you have that, because uh, let's take your pension. You probably can take it at age 55 from your employer, Mm -hmm. but the benefit they'll give you versus taking it at age 65 usually will be 40% less. Okay. So you have to cover that 40% less, not just for those 10 years. For everyone after that. Right. Okay. Okay. I got you. So if, if that's a serious goal, uh-huh. You, you need to really look at how much more you can save every month. Okay. And um, I would want you, I you know, to ask you to go from saving ten percent of your pay to suddenly put in six grand into a Roth. That's got to be a gradual thing. You know, you're not going to yeah. be able, based on lifestyle and the expenses you have, whatever commitments you have for. You mentioned housing. Do you have kids? Yep. Nope, no kids yet. No kids. And I'm not sure. I mean, I possibly might not. You know, I don't know. It just depends on, you know, how life goes. But Okay. So if you don't have kids, then maybe I shouldn't be so easy on you (laughs) putting the six grand (laughs) into the Roth. Yeah, I mean, I could. I mean, it's, I mean, I I just have to, you know, change certain stuff, but it's nothing major. You know, I mean, it'd just be, you know, live a little less, you know, frugal, you know. Yeah, so I would say that would be the biggest change I'd make. And did you okay. notice the first question I asked you? Just that you were going to turn 
flip me upside down? No, yeah. the first question I asked you is, what was your goal? When did you want a bag oh, work? Yeah. Because yeah. if you don't think that through first, what are you trying to accomplish? Then uh-huh. everything is, oh, well, it would be nice if I did this. But in your case, it's not, it would be nice. It's what you got to do if yep. that's what you want to get to. And yeah. I would like you to, I've just updated my guide to opening Roth IRAs. Mm-hmm. And so go look at it from, I bet you, 12 minutes from you and me hanging up, you can uh-huh. have already opened your Roth, decided okay. what you were going to invest in, and yep. started putting money in it. Okay, great. So, yeah, so I'll definitely do that. Don't put off getting it done. Let's just get it done. Yep, just do it. No time better than now. Exactly. So go for it, and I expect to hear from you if I'm still living when you turn 55, <laughs> you are, that you are living that life you want to live. Nick is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Nick. Hi, Clark. How are you doing today? Great, thanks. You are someone who is bleeding edge on how you want to do your banking, aren't you? Right. So currently, my wife and I have our funds with our local credit union, and in listening to the show and uh, with some of our own experiences, um, we've heard you talk about refinancing some of our other pro- our loans and student loans with SoFi. Uh, but I was going through their website the other day and saw that they are advertising a SoFi money account, which they're saying is a hybrid checkings and savings account with a two and a quarter percent interest rate on any deposited funds. So my question is, how does this differ from say, our current uh, credit union checking account that we have. We have a a separate savings account and a high-yield savings currently. And does it lend the same sort of protections that, you know, a regular bank or credit union would would give? Yeah, so the SoFi money account is a very well-thought account. And the idea of it is it's kind of like uh, savings and checking in one. And it is... It is a very, very clever way to handle it because they're trying what they're trying to do is the money that they then lend out to people for the loans they're refinancing, they want to have a steady source of money for that. And even though they would be paying you more interest than you're used to getting, for them it's a lower cost of funds than they can get elsewhere. Right. And so the um, the accounts I'm trying to remember. They're FDIC insured, right? As far as what I can see online, yes. Yeah, looking, now, there the is a... cash balance is swept to one or more program banks where it earns a variable rate of interest and is eligible for FDIC insurance. Okay, so what they're doing is they they are acting as kind of like the front person, and behind the scenes, they're taking your money, and every night they're putting it into an FDIC insured bank. So even though they are not FDIC insured, your money is. Okay. So I didn't know if that was something that happened immediately or if that was something that it took a period of time. So say, you know, you had a... You mean, would uh, there be any exposure if SoFi went bust? No, not so much that. But if somebody, say, was able to uh, steal your identity or, you know, get your account information, um, how... Would there be a lapse in time of when your funds were covered from the time that they were placed into the account? Not any different than I wouldn't suspect with any other account. Okay. I wouldn't worry about that. 
Very good. Yeah. I mean, otherwise it, they've got, they're advertising no fees and, and, you know, yeah, and you can see that like else, you can see the a, crowd they're going after with some of the language they use, the very unbank kind of language and uh, some of the alluding to cuss words and, <laughs> and, their, <laughs> and their desire to get you as a customer. I, I love this kind of stuff where, uh, where the online banks are just drawing such a sharp distinction with the traditional way banking has been done in the United States, which is where the bankers get up every morning with the one goal of seeing how much money they can extract from their customers every day. So, of course, yeah, and it's, you know, just trying to see if there's a, a little bit of a way to make our money go further for us, that's all. So, And this definitely is that, and it is a, a combo account of essentially checking and savings in one, and... I I love the innovation involved with what SoFi is doing with SoFi Money and what other innovators are doing. And the most important consideration, and this just has emerged as a big scandal in Britain, which is going through the same kind of innovations as we're going through, people were putting money in an account that they did not realize was not in the equivalent that the British have of FDIC, and everybody got wiped out. Oh, and so the the thing that I did immediately when you asked about this, I scrolled down to the legal disclosures to see if, in fact, your money was FDIC insured, which is the thing I want to always make sure of for you and you should for yourself anytime you look at an alternative way to do your banking. And have Definitely. they treated no. you well on your student loans? Everything has been easy as far as repayment we've actually been making additional payments with that and you know we haven't had any problems there we've just been trying to knock them out as kind of quick as we can there and and they've been good to us so far well that is good news and i can't wait for you for that day when you don't owe a single penny on that student loan debt this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance hey listeners whether you love true crime or comedies celebrity interviews news or even motivational speakers you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue right and guess what now you can call the shots on your auto insurance too enter the name your price tool from progressive the name your price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds you tell progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Joe joins us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Joe. Hello, Clark. How are you? Great. Thank you, Joe. You are thinking of cutting the cord, huh? We are. Uh, we uh, we downsized about two years ago, and uh, at our old house, we had a, one of the, well, the only local cable TV provider, and we were pretty much fed up with them, So, but we said, ah, let's just wait till we move, and we'll, we'll go a different direction. So we moved two years ago, and... Uh, one of the local big box stores, I guess I won't mention the name, but they were offering a swinging deal 
on one of the two uh, major uh, satellite TV uh, providers. So for twelve months or twenty-four months, they offered where they offered you it for like two thirds off or something. It was a twenty-four month deal, and it was uh, a huge discount. And I think at that time they gave us two hundred fifty dollars cash card <laughs> that we could use at this particular big box store. I mean, it was a crazy uh, deal. So we signed up, and they came out, they put it in, and we've loved the service. It's been good. But the two years is up, and we got our first bill um, at the regular rates. And of course, we knew the hit was coming. Um, but it, it's a uh, you know, gargantuan jump, and we are retired, and we do watch our money. So I told my wife, I said, well, the thing that's changed in the last two years, I said, and Clark Howard talked about this on his show fairly recently, is that you can stream live TV now, uh, get a good selection of channels at a reasonable price. So I told her, I said, let me see if I can find, well, obviously you'd already talked about it on one of your shows. I said, let me go on his website. And see if I could track down. They probably wrote an article about this. So, sure enough, there's a great article that you and your folks wrote that pretty much summarized your all's findings. As I recall, the article was fairly recent, I think in the last few months. Yeah, we actually update that about twice a month to three times a month because oh, wow. the sector's moving so fast and people ask so many questions. And we have it now divided different ways. If you're interested in... Uh, different price points of spending per month, we have now a guide to spending 0 20 or $40 a month for well, uh, yeah. if you've cut the cord. And then we have another that takes each of the services and walks you through which to use. Yeah. But, the, but one thing I would suggest to you, how close are you to a city? Oh, we live in Louisville. Do you have an we antenna? Live, I don't have an antenna. And that, that was going to be my question for you. Uh, one of your one of your top top recommendations in the article uh, is is uh, forty dollars a month, and my wife and I both wrote down the channels that neither one of us want neither one of us wanted to live without. So we got our list together, and this particular uh, streaming provider that you highly recommended covers probably seventy five percent of what we want. So we said, yeah, the other twenty five percent stuff that important. But there's one channel, and that's PBS. This is easy then. Go to Walmart. Okay or whatever box store you like to go to, buy a digital antenna. The cost here, just, you know, an antenna, digital antenna, whatever. They're all digital. And buy one, they'll be uh, 8 or 12, 8 10 $12. See if you pick up that PBS channel and your other locals with it. If you don't, go to antennaweb.org and see what kind of antenna you'd have to have to pick up that PBS and at the same time pick up dozens of other local channels that feed in Louisville. You'll be really happy. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com.